You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing our series of Shirim on the nighttime of the world and a journey into the first mission in Mesechus Brachos. So what we spoke about last week, Be'ezras Hashem, was the entire concept of Tarish Shabbat in general and how Mishnayos, as representative of the sum total of Tarish Shabbat including the prospect of the Gemara and the Talmud within it, is representative of a descent away from the clarity of Torah Shabbat a descent away from that statement of fact of Bereshis Bara Elokim, a statement of something that took place without question, and an entrance into a space of questioning, which as we're going to see, opens us into the question of Me'em Masai, of from when. And we explained that as the representation of the Torah that emerges specifically from the place of the Eitz Hadas Tovera, where we begin to see distortion and separation and distinction and the possibility of duplicitous reality, of right and wrong, of up and down, of kosher and pasal, of usr and mutter. It's specifically in that place, after the end of Tarshabh Sav, that we are forced to try and be mevarer, to try and clarify the light that emerges out of the darkness itself. And Chazal themselves were aware of this, because when Chazal were tasked with finding a source text for the origin of Torah Shabbat the Pasuk that they used was, that you have restored me in the darkness like the dead of the world. Zu Talmud Bavli. This is the Gemara, this is Talmud Bavli, that place of Bilbul, that place of confusion, that place of Shaklavitaria, of Hava, Mina, and Maskana, where very often cloudiness overwhelms the possibility of clarity and lies overwhelm the claims of truth. It's specifically within that place of Shinoi, of the Heichal Hagvanim Hamishtanim, of that chamber of changing colors, the capacity of change and Shniot and a doubled nature of things, the possibility of more than one. It's specifically in that place that we are tasked with clarifying the Eitz Hadas and revealing the doubled portion of Torah Shabal Peh. Now, what we find in the first Mishnah is really an expression, a gushpanka, a stamp of what is to come throughout the entirety of Torah Shabal Peh. Because what the first Mishnah throws us into, as we discussed, is first and foremost, Masechus Brachos and that a bracha is only something that emerges out of a space of klala. That if there was no cursedness, if there was no concealment, if there was no darkness and disclarity, there would be no need for a blessing to come and clarify it. And that bracha shleros tzaddik, that capacity to find the bracha within concealment, like the lifetime of Rabbi Akiva, who began in darkness only to emerge and uncover a light of echad afterwards, 
that is the origin, that is the site in which Torah Shemal Pes starts. And the first Mishnah in Maseches Brachos addresses a singular question. When is the time to read Kriyat Shema at night? The Pasuk tells us that a person has the responsibility of proclaiming their faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that undying unity, what is referred to as Kabbalah's Ol Malchus Shemayim, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, bending ourselves and admitting and submitting and surrendering ourselves to the burden of what it means to be a God-fearing individual in this world, to walk with care, like the Masila Sharm tells us and the Ramchal tells us that to be a human being in this world is to need to walk with Zahirus, to walk with care. And it's so easy and it's so natural for the individual to want to live a world of carelessness, of not caring, of not focusing on the details or what is right or what is wrong. And the need, the entry point into Avodah Hashem, into a life of meaning, into a life of focus and attention is Kabbalah's Ol Malchus Shemayim, the acceptance of the need to care, the receiving of the burden of Shemayim upon ourselves, realizing that there is a higher order, that there is an inner interiority that exists within the walls of external reality. And not as Rav Kook teaches us to be shikur b'chitzonius, not to become intoxicated with the externalities of the world, but to receive and accept upon ourselves the burden of what it means to respond to something. Shema Yisrael, a responsibility, an ability to hear, an ability to listen, and an ability to attune our ears. That first call, that clarion call of the Yichud, of the Achdus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Shema Yisrael, that Bnei Yisrael are ready to hear with the ears of their hearts, ready to attune themselves ever so slightly away from the noise that deafens all possibility of order in our lives, that Kol Hamona Shel Romi, that deafening sound of Rome, that specifically tries to blot out the voice of Rabbi Akiva, the voice of Torah Shabbat. The call is to listen, is to attune ourselves, is to bend our ear, similar to what Moshe Rabbeinu Raya Mehemna had to do in order to begin the process of receiving Torah Shabbat was that Kisar Liros, he bended his head to look. Now Torah Shabbat is an aspect of looking, it's an aspect of a vision that is absolutely clear. It is chachma, it is something that is apparent, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu had to bend his eyes to look. He had to attune himself to see that things were askance here. In Tarish Balpeh, it's the same attitude, except now it's an audio sense. It's no longer a sense of vision of chachma, but rather it's a shmia, it's a tashma, it's come and listen. The entirety of Tarish Balpeh is there to teach us how to listen in this world how to attune ourselves to the fact that there is a silent voice, a silent call, a silent demand that emerges at every moment from Harsinai, demanding of us to acknowledge the Achdus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, specifically within the Chamber of Changing Colors, specifically within that place where Torah Shebechsav is no longer apparent, and in that concealed darkened space of Torah Shebechsav. And therefore, if the entirety of Torah Shebechsav is coming to teach us the secret of Tashma, of come and listen, Come and look at what is taking place in your life and listen to the inner voice that is emerging from within your experience. That voice that each and every person has, that that inner voice, that inaudible sound that emerges from the recesses of our neshama. 
if the entirety of Torah Shabal Peh is to help us hear that Peh, the words of Chazal, the words of our Tzadikim, then it only makes sense that the first Mishnah would begin with the mitzvah of Kriyat Shema, of the declaration of faith that demands of each and every Jewish individual, of each and every person, to attune themselves to the silent voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation. In Torah Shebechsav, it's a vision. In Torah Shebechsav, it's revelation. In Torah Shebechsav, it's absolutely clear. Royim esakolos, they see the voices. There's no longer a need to attune the ear to the inner silent hearing that emanates from the core of the self, because there everything is clarified. It's a darga of ri'ia, everything is clear. Ri'ia, we're told, is the same letters of yira, because a person, when they see the source of the awe, they're naturally in awe. Tarish Balpeh is a descent away from that. It's a falling away from that clarity. It's a result of the Hakasa Sela. It's a result of Moshe Rabbeinu's seemingly transgressive act of hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Chazal have told us that the edifice of Tarish Balpeh is always already a secondary, almost accidental reality that emerges from the fact that we transgress. Without these things, Chazal tell us that all we would need is and the Sefer of Yoshua teaching us about entering into Eretz Yisrael. But as a result of those failures of the human condition, we descend into the place of Tashma, of coming to listen. And it's specifically in that place of darkness, in that that I learn to attune myself to the inner voice of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Now, the mitzvah that is being discussed in the Mishnah is Kriyat Shema specifically at the time of Arvis, Kriyat Shema at a time of Ma'ariv. Now, the language of Arvis, the language of Ma'ariv, is the same language of Irbuvia, of Erev, of an admixture, of a combination, of a doubtful mixture wherein I can no longer identify the origin of each and every ingredient. They have become mixed up and muddled up to such an extent that there's a nirbuvia, like Erev Shabbos, where there's light and darkness operating in unison. And the nighttime, that bein hashmashos, that irbuvia, what the Tikkun Zohar refers to as Ilana de Irbuvia, the tree of admixture, the tree of knowledge, good and evil, is the admixture of good and evil. The first question that Chazal want us to encounter is the question of being Makabel Ol Shemayim, of acknowledging the unity of Akadush Baruchu, of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, the recognition that Hashem, which represents the unbridled unity of Akadush Baruchu, and Elokim, which represents the disintegration of unity and the narrow corners and distinctions that we experience, that both Hashem and Elohim are both encapsulated and represented by the singular grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity. It's specifically at a time of darkness, of Irbuvia, that Chazal want to ask us, from when do we declare the prospect of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity, specifically at nighttime? Torah Peh is a question of nighttime. It's a place of nighttime. Torah Shebechsav, we said, is a place of daytime. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu was conveying Torah Shebechsav to Moshe Rabbeinu during those 40 days of receiving the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu knew that it was daytime. But when Moshe Rabbeinu was receiving Torah Peh, he understood that it was nighttime, highlighting the fact that constitutive to the fundamental essence of Torah Peh, of the oral Torah, is the notion of nocturnal reality of the nighttime of the world, a descent away from the clarified light of consciousness into the echoes of translation. Rabbi Nassim tells us incredibly 
in Lakute Halachos in Halacha Beis of Hilchos Arvis, that the entire concept of Tarish Peh, the entire concept of Tfilas Arvis is Targum, is translation in relationship to Shacharis and Mincha, which take place during the daytime. That's the aspect of Shnayim Mikra, of saying things in Lashon HaKodesh, saying them in a clarified way without doubt. But the Echad Targum, that space of translation, again, the Gemara itself is written in translation as opposed to the Chumash itself, which is written in Lashon HaKodesh, entering into that space of translation, into that space of darkness, is the Tefillah of Arvis. And therefore, the fact that Chazal begin the first Mishnah of the entirety of Sisa Shedra Mishnah and the concept of Tor Peh with the question of nighttime, is not incidental or symptomatic of a concept that they were discussing, but rather it is representative and constitutive of the essence of what Torah Shabbat is. Torah Shabbat is a question of nighttime. It's a question of how do I accept upon myself that undying belief in the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, specifically in a place where I no longer see it in its apparent nature. That's the question of how am I makabal upon myself the mitzvah of Yichud Hashem, the belief that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere and at every moment, specifically in a time of night. That is the essence of Tarash Valpeh, a descent into nighttime for the sake of clarifying a light that emerges afterwards. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Melablin writes in Sidka Satzadik that in truth, the first mitzvah, the first positive commandment that a Jewish individual is responsible to complete when they become a bar mitzvah or a bas mitzvah, is kriyachma at arvis. This is the first encounter of what it means to be a Jewish individual. As Rav Tzadok tells us, it's not enough to be makabel olmal chushamayim to recognize the unity of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's presence in all things during the day. That's on a certain level simple. What is most necessary for an individual at the outset of their spiritual work is to recognize that I have to be makabal omal chushamayim, specifically at nighttime. I have to learn how to uncover the hidden light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, not when it's light out and everything is going well for me, where it's apparent and I have no problems, but it's specifically in the thicket, in the confusion of Tarash Peh, in the descent of the sun and the awakening of that darkness that that awakens all of our fears and all of our anxieties, the ultimate question, the ultimate outset, the setting of the intention of what the individual spiritual life is going to be is the act of accepting HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity, specifically in the darkness of night. That's the question of me'em masai korin as shema ba'arvis. At what point do I begin reciting, or at what point am I capable of reciting kriyat shema, the declaration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's faith, that undying declaration of a stubborn belief in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in spite of the fact that I can't see it anymore, a willingness to quiet everything down so that I could hear those inaudible echoes that emerge from the recesses of my heart, the question of Tarish Peh is ultimately at what point, what does it take for me to accept upon myself the, the deep undying belief in unity in the heart of darkness? Now, Me'emasai Korin, the first introduction into this Mishnah and really the first encounter with Tarish Peh itself is a question. It's Me'emasai, from when? Now questioning, the act of questioning always expresses to us a reality of operating in darkness with a need to ascend back to light. 
A person who has an absolute grasp on certainty need not ask a question. Questioning, which emerges from the same etymological root as a quest, as a seeking out, as an attempt to return somewhere, is the recognition that I have fallen away from absolute knowledge, things have fallen into a state of confusion on one level or another, and with my question, I am attempting to clarify a truth and return back to their original place. A shaila or a kashya or a tiyufta, these questions animate the very space of Torah Shabbat. As Rav Huttner points out very beautifully in the fourth mimer on Pachad Yitzchak Chanukah, but it's abundantly clear in the writings of the Ramchal and in the writings of the Vilna Gon as well. The entire concept of Tarsh Balpeh is for the sake of asking questions, descending into those kushios, descending into the possibility of questioning reality so that we can encounter preventions and resistance. And instead of turning back ashen-faced in fear of the process and the struggle necessary, moving forth with intense strength and oz de kedusha and azus de kedusha to push forward through the question and uncover the light of the answer that remains hidden within the question itself. There are many questions in Chazal, in the Gemara itself, throughout the Mishnayos that remain unanswered. There's tiyufta, there's teku, there's tishbi yavu v'yataritz kushis ve'abayos. The questions in Chazal are not necessarily there to be answered. They are there to awaken us to the possibility of living with a question. That as Rabbi Nachman tells us, kasha, the notion of asking a kasha is in truth the Roshe Tevos of Shema Hashem Koili Ekra, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, hear me, my voice cries out to you. That it's specifically within the kushya, within the she'ela, within the questioning itself, that we learn to encounter the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the secret of Tarish Balpeh, a willingness to ask questions, a willingness to admit to the fact that we don't know for certain anymore. We're no longer in the world of Bereshis Bara Eloikim. This is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, a declarative statement of absolute certainty. We're now in the space of Me'em Masai, from when? Asking from when implies no longer being at the origin site. It means having been pushed away, displaced from the original point of origin. And it's this questioning that animates the entire quest of Torah Shabbat, the willingness of the neshama to descend down into the worlds of separation, into that place of the Etzadas Tovara, not, God forbid, to be overwhelmed by the darkness and the concealment, but rather to force the darkness and the concealment to admit to the light, to force the questioning itself to be Megala Mor Chedushe Torah. The entire tachlis of Torah Shabbat is to be megala that the deepest thoughts and emotions of a Jewish individual is part and parcel of the Torah itself. None of which would have been possible without that questioning, without that loss of certainty, without that loss, that descent into Bavel, away from Yushalayim, into Bavel, away from vision, into that inner audio hearing. And Me'emasai, the first encounter with a question is also not happenstance. It's a question of time, like we've spoken about before. Time awareness is what marks the territory of Torah Shabbat Peh. Like we said, the sixth Siddharm of Mishnah, the Zohar HaKadosh tells us, as well as the Rishonim, that it's Zman Nakat. The acronym for Shisha Sidra Mishnah is Zman Nakat. Time was taken into consideration, meaning to say that Torah Shabbat Peh and time awareness are, are inherently connected with one another. And very simply, time awareness tells us that we're either too early or we're too late. It's a question of how do I grasp that precise time? 
And ultimately, the entirety of the Gemara and the entirety of the discussion of this Mishnah is going to come to tell us that you can't have the precise time. It's tied up in an argument. There's many opinions. There's no precision here. It's random precision. It's the notion that that truth is now a space, an area, as opposed to a specific nakuda, as we're going to see as we descend further into the light of this Mishnah. But the first encounter that we have when we enter into Tarish Peh is the question of Me'em Masai. I live now in a time-oriented way of life. Time only takes place after the Chet of the Eitz Adas Tovarah. Prior to the Chet of the Eitz Adas Tovarah, the Ramchal and our Tzadikim tell us, we lived in a place of Nitzchius. Everything was ever present in every moment, and the human mind was not overwhelmed by that presence of being, but rather it was capable of simply abiding within the buzzing experience of all things being present at once. Enter the Chet of the Eitz Adas, we encounter the separation, the distortion, the six sides of physical reality. That place of Torah Shvalpeh, of Zman Nakat, of the Shisha Sidre Mishnah. And we're told, the Nitziv, this is a teaching that we've brought up a number of times, the Nitziv in describing the, the sum total of the symptoms that emerged after Chet of the Yitzhadas was that now we experienced Busha. We experienced a sense of shame. There was self-consciousness. There was an awareness of the distinction between yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There was now an awareness that I'm late for a very important date. There was that questioning spirit that says, am I in the right place at the right time right now? In the world of Tarshah that didn't necessarily exist. In the world of Tarshah we're thrown into the encounter with, am I where I need to be at this moment? And what the Nitziv tells us is he says that if you want to understand this shame, this busha that enters into human consciousness and marks the human condition from the chayt of the Yitzhadas and onwards, we have to look at another place in the Chumash where we see the word boishesh. And that has to do with the chayt ha'egel. When Bnei Yisrael were anticipating Moshe Rabbeinu's descent away from Har Sinai, they got caught up in their miscalculations, they got caught up in a question of time, and they felt that Moshe Rabbeinu had tarried. He had left them behind, he was late. Moshe Rabbeinu was not in the right place at the right time. And the Pasuk says, and Moshe tarried in his arrival. Says the Nitziv, that the word busha also implies a tarrying, a lateness, a being stuck in time awareness, no longer seeing everything as ever present at every moment at once without distinction in a practical way that the human mind was capable of handling. But now everything is splintered into the different distortions of time, the disjointed experience of time's pain and, and time's lost awareness and all of those pains and pains of time, that zimun, that hasmana. The notion of time is a notion of being appointed. There's an appointment. There's something that I need to get to. I have to go and make that appointment. It's a sense of this bureaucratic urgency that I need to get someplace away from where I am right now. There's a hasmana, there's a hasmana ladin, I'm being called somewhere, I'm being brought out somewhere. That's the awareness of time. And the entirety of Tarish Peh is a question of time. It's a question of being brought into that place of zman nakat. And therefore the first Mishnah is asking us, me'em Masai, from when? It's a question of time. It's saying, neshama, how are you going to learn how to be makabal ol malchus to scream out Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, to recognize the unity of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that exceeds and exists within all of the distortions that we encounter, 
the neshama is tasked with answering the question, how are you going to do this in a world of time? Are you capable of entering into that world of anxiety-ridden experience where I'm either too late or too early? And are you still going to be able to scream out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad? Now, this experience of screaming out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, of recognizing the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, specifically within Aravis, is the encounter of Yaakov Avinu. Because as we know, as Chazal are going to teach us in the beginnings of the sugyos in the first parak and brachos, that the tfilos are kenega the avos, that Avram Avinu rectified the tfilos of shacharis, oriented with chesed and unbridled kindness and the brilliant light of the sun and the intellect and no concealment. Yitzchak Avinu is vayetzi Yitzchak losuach basada. It's the encounter with mincha. It's the encounter with dusk. It's the encounter with the beginning, the stirrings of darkness, but not yet darkness. Yitzhak Avinu never had to leave Eretz Yisrael. It's Yaakov Avinu who brings us the tefillah of Mariv. And it's specifically in the heart of darkness of Vayifka Bamakomahu that Yaakov suddenly knocked into something, unconsciously, so to speak, in that heart of darkness, in that Vayetze, not Vayetze, but rather that moment of Yaakov Avinu descending into Haran. Yaakov Avinu leaving Eretz Yisrael, leaving the Moichin of Eretz Yisrael and descending into that Charon Af, into that place of anger, into that place of difficulty, of concealment, of time orientation, of anxiety. It's specifically there that Yaakov Avinu uncovers the secret of Mariv. And we're told something remarkable that Mariv, Mariv is a Rishus, that the entire question of Mariv is different than the other Tfilos. The other Tfilos are Chova. Mariv brings us face to face with an encounter of duality, of irbuvia, of admixture, of arvis, of there being two elements at once. It could be yes, it could be no. Unlike Shacharis and Mincha, which are yes, Mariv is it could be yes, it could be no, because that is the very encounter of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu's life is an encounter with this darkening experience of the potential of exile, that descent down into Mitzrayim, that loss of the light of his life, that difficult encounter with the inability to find rest. Yaakov Avinu's life is a life of Vayavata Yaakov Levado, that Yaakov tarries alone in the heart of darkness so that he can encounter the Saroshal Esav. And as we know, it is never so that we're beat by the Saroshal Esav, God forbid. It's never so that we simply deny or destroy the Saroshal Esav, but the entire descent into darkness and exile is so that we can force the Saroshal Esav to give us brachos to force the ministering angel to admit to the fact that Yiddishkeit and Torah and Avoda and Yichud and Amuna and Comfort and Menucha are the truest reality in the world. But Yaakov Avinu's encounter with the heart of darkness is the very site wherein we encounter what it means to daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at night. And to daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at night has to be by way of Rishus. It has to be the deepest element of a choice. Me'emasai, in the world of Torah Peh, it's the world of Bechira. I now have the responsibility of choosing to daven. It's that heavy burden of efshare hametzius. It's possible. I can choose to encounter in this moment. I have the capacity, as Rabbi Nassim tells us in a remarkable teaching about, uh, about Tfilas Mariv in the third halacha in Lukute Halachos, that here in the Rishus, 
in the Rishus of Tvilas Mariv, of that Irbuvia, Bain Tov Lara, that Eitzadas Tovara, that Ilana de Irbuvia, it's specifically there that I encounter the burden and the responsibility of choosing to hear Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That's the place of Arvis. That's the place of Yaakov Avinu. And our tzaddikim have told us that it's very appropriate for Mishnayos to begin with the question of Mariv, with the question of a prayer instituted by Yaakov Avinu, because the formulation of the Mishnayos themselves took place through Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi, Rabbeinu Akadosh. And it's specifically Rabbi Hanasi, Rabbeinu Han, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who were told by the Megala Amukos, were told by the Ramami Pano, is that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was a Gilgal. He was associated with that experience of Yaakov Avinu. Hanasi is, Hanasi is a Nitzus Shel Yaakov Avinu. It's the Roshe Tevos of a spark of the soul of Yaakov Avinu. We also know that when Rabbi Yehuda Anasi encounters the Maisa of Rav Elazar ben Dordayev, he sees how a person can encounter the deepest darkness in the world and come immediately to discover that sudden light that bursts through all darkness. At that point, Yatsa Nishmaso, right? Rav Elazar ben Dordayev's Neshama goes away. And Bacha Rebbe, and Rabbi Yehuda Anasi cries and he says, Yesh kaina oilamoi b'sha achas. There is a type of individual that has the capacity to claim the entirety of experience to uncover that unbridled, infinite, hidden light from within the deepest darkness imaginable. And yesh koine oilamoi b'sha'a is Rosh Tevas Yaakov. Because what Rabbi Yehuda Nasi understood was that this is the secret of Maimida. This is the secret of Yaakov Avinu, who teaches us also how to scream out Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, specifically in the heart of darkness. And just like Yaakov Avinu is this admixture of light and darkness, so too Rabbi Yudha Nasi. The Medrash tells us on Vayichi Yaakov, Beretz Mitzrayim, Shavas Reishana, that Yaakov Avinu lived for 17 years in the land of Mitzrayim, that the Medrash tells us that Rabbi Yudha Nasi also lived 17 years in the land of Tsipoiri. And the secret of Yaakov Avinu descending into Mitzrayim is the secret of Yaakov Avinu descending into the darkness of exile, into that place of nighttime, into that place of admixture and confusion, for the ultimate purpose of screaming out, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, like we find him trying to do on his deathbed. And it's the same story of Rabbi Yudha Nasi, Rabbi Yudha Nasi descending into this murky territory of Eis Laso, Eis Lashem, Hifru Sarasecha, the willingness to sacrifice the self for the sake of writing down Tarsh Peh, which should have never been written because it was meant to remain audio in its nature, like the secret of Shema, this descent into darkness for the sake of ascending a deeper light that comes afterwards is the same shared trait of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, as well as Yaakov Avinu, and it's the secret of Mar. We are told by Chazal that May Moshe Ad Rabbi Udanasi, there was no person who experienced Torah and Gedula, Torah and greatness in one place. Because in truth, they're paradoxical elements to one another. Torah, the work of spirituality, the work of thinning out my physical existence in this world for the sake of 
focusing solely on the spiritual experience, and Gedula is focusing on this worldly experience at the expense of the otherworldly experience. Yet we find by Rabbi Yudha Nasi, who is the origin of Torah Peh, just like Moshe, who is the origin of Torah Shabbat that you can have a unity of opposites. You can have these Trey Hafachim Benosa Achad. You can take these two polar opposites, that Ilana de Irbuvia, that place of darkness and light, of right and wrong, and truth and untruth, operating in unison, and it's specifically there that we have the capacity on a, of uncovering the silent yichud that comes out of Tarsh Balpeh. We find this paradoxical relationship with reality elsewhere when Rabbi Danasi at the end of his life, he says, look at this, my table has lacked absolutely nothing. I have had gedula, I have had everything. But at the same point, I have not been nana from any of it. It's an experience of being in the world and being outside of the world at the very same moment. It's the secret of ani va'ayin bevasachas, of something and nothing at once. That paradoxical dance of opposites unifying themselves together to reveal something greater than what any pole of that equation could have revealed on its own is the secret of Yaakov Avinu. It's the secret of Yaakov who maintains the name Yaakov as well as the name Yisrael. It's the up and down at once. It's the secret of encountering choice, of choosing, of of Rishus. Rishus, we're told, is the same gematria as the Roshe Tevos of the sixth line in the Anabakach Tvila of Shema uh, of Shema. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Shakotitz with the Shin Kof Vav Tzadi Yud Tes. Okay, I'm forgetting, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the Tvila that comes with it. Shavasenu kabel ushmatsa kasenu yodea ta'alumos. I apologize. Hear our cries as they scream out from the depths of ourselves. That is the secret of Rishus. It's the willingness to scream out ta'akadosh baruchu from a place of darkness. Of shavasenu kabel ushmatsa kasenu. Ha'akadosh baruchu, hear our cries as they emerge from me'emasai, from the question of time awareness, from the question of arvis, from that admixture, from that place of darkness. And receive my tefillah, receive this tefillah of Rishus, my choice, my sacrifice, my willingness to be bocher for goodness in this world. Bechira only emerges when there's a possibility of darkness, of concealment. And the entire purpose of Tarsh Peh, of Mishnayos, of entering into that place of Shinoi, is so that we can ultimately reveal the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that exists even there. The notion of Mishnayos, like we spoke about, this ability to ascend from darkness into light to reveal that darkness itself and confusion itself is also part of the light, is expressed in an incredible way by the Ben Yishchai and his Ben Yoyada and his parish on the first Mishnah in Brachos. He says as follows, at what point do I have the capacity to cry out the declaration of unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the nighttime? The gematria of the word Shema, which is 410, is the same gematria as Mashiach and Eliyahu. Why? So the entire question, according to the Ben Yishchai, is 
At what point do I begin to anticipate the arrival of Mashiach at the end of history? At what point do I have the capacity to cry out for Mashiach and Eliyahu, for that arrival from within the darkness itself at that Elef Hashishi, in that time before Mashiach's arrival, in the time that we find ourselves in now? That's the entire question of Tarsh Peh. The entire question of Tarsh Peh is how can I bring Mashiach to me in this moment? How can I uncover the light of Mashiach in my life right now? And again, these words are essential. The words of the Mishnayos are demanding of study and precision as much as any other sefer. The Rebbe Rashav in the third volume of Hemshech Ayin Beis, B'Shashek Dimu, he quotes a Ksavyad from the Mitla Rebbe that doesn't seem to be published, that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi understood that the specific words being utilized in each and every Mishnah are expressive of the exact tikkunim and lights that have to descend through that Mishnah. And had it been written in any other way, it would not have accomplished the purpose of what it was trying to accomplish. Therefore, we have the right, says the Rabbi Rashab, to be medayik in the words of the Mishnah, like we would be medayik in anything else. And so, me'emasai korin eshma ba'arvis, what the Ben Yishchai tells us is at what point do I have the capacity for anticipating of screaming out from Mashilach and Eliyahu, specifically in a place of concealment, specifically in a place where I've almost been miyayish, in that place of Hesachadas, in that place of the Urbuvya, in that place of descending into a place of Rishus, of not knowing whether it's up or down, right or left. This encounter with the darkness of nighttime. To end this nakuda on these words of Me'emasai Korinesh Shema Ba'arvis. And again, there's so many different angles that a person can take. Each and every word offers itself to interpretation at each and every moment. Rav Ruven Margulis, Chusayaganalinu, writes in his beer on this Mishnah, Nitsutse Or, he says something incredible. He wants to understand why Chazal are called Prushim sometimes, because we don't necessarily find that elsewhere. And Rav Ruven Margulis explains that Purushim comes from the language of Pirush, hermeneutical interpretation, meaning to say that the entire essence of Chazal was to interpret words over and over and over, kipatish yafutsu tsela, that like a hammer that shatters a stone and sparks into a million different pieces, every word of Tarsh and every word of Tarsh Peh is demanding of interpretation, which is why we see, says Rav Ruven Margulis, that Me'emasai Korin is the opposite of a declarative statement. It's not this is when you say Kriyat Shema as if it's a guidebook, a halachic statement, but rather it's an entrance into a conversation because ultimately, says Ruven Margulis, he says that the expression of the self that is elicited from the encounter of Torah Shabal Peh is that hermeneutical experience. It's that of interpretation of the possibility of being right, which also brings up the possibility of being wrong. But this place of Me'emasai, is also, as we've seen from the tzaddikim, a place of me'emasi, from my fear. The Sayyid Yisharim, the Asifas Zakenim, the Arizal seems to have pointed out that the notion of me'emasai, of from when, is also as a result of my fear. That to be an individual, to be an ashama that is thrown into those heichal ha'gavanim ha'mishtanim, to live in a world of shinoi, to live in the world of changing colors, of changing patterns, of up and down, of the shisha sidra mishnah, of the six sides of experience, is to live in a world of fear, is to live in a world where we're assaulted very often with unknowingness, with an inability to know. 
no longer resting in that clarified place of Torah Shebechsav where things are given and engraved and written as they are expressed, but rather now living in that questionable place of Me'em Masai, of from when, of no longer knowing what was before, what was after, that place of the human condition which is anxious by nature, and may a must see it is as a result of my fear, it is a result of my discomfort that propels me to scream out, May a My fear at the encounter with darkness is the very thing that propels me to grab hold with more intensity of the light of Akadish Hu. There's a story that somebody, a close, a close Rebbe of mine, was, was able to show me this week. And it says, I've seen the story in two different ways. Some say it was the Balatanya, but I've seen it as the Rebbe Rubzusha, that the Rebbe Rubzusha came to Rav Shmuel Shmelka of Nicholsburg. And he said, I, Zusha, has a basic understanding of Nistara Satara. What I am missing is a basic understanding of Niglo Satara. And so you, Rav Shmuel Shmelka, or in other Girsos, it was the Malach, it was the son of the Magad of Mezrich. He says, you who have a Havana in Niglas Torah, teach me the Mishnah. Teach me how to learn Torah Shabbat So the Tzaddik, either the, the Malach, the son of the Magid, or of Shmuel Shmelka, they begin, from when do I declare the proclamation of faith in nighttime? And so Reb Zusha stops and he says, wait, who said it's from when? Who told you that that's how to read it? Who said that that's the exact translation of the word? And the tzaddik says, okay, Zushia, how do you want to read it? And he says, me'emasi, from my fear, from my yiras Hashem, I'm forced to acknowledge and uh, bring upon myself Kabbalah Salmal Chushamayim. And with that chiddush, the tzaddik, Rav Avram Amalach, the son of the Magid, or of Shmuel Shmelka, they said, okay, Zushia, you teach the Mishnah. That the Mishnah itself is giving us direction of the entrance into Tarsh Balpeh, the entrance into Shaklavataria, the entrance away, the descent away from the clarity of Tarsh Shibachsav into that murky water, into that territory of Targum, of translation, of, of second guesses, away from that time of Bereshis into the Mem of Me'em Masai. It's the question of how do I accept them upon myself the, the faith in the unity of Akadish Baruch Hu, specifically in times of darkness. As the Said Yisharim tells, as the Dor Yisharim tells us in the Hakdama to his commentary on the history of Ishbitz and Radzin, one of the most beautiful and poignant stories, which I believe is elicited explicitly in the first Mishnah of Tarish Balpeh, the question ultimately is a question of fear of how a person confronts an anxious spirit in this world and how a person learns to uncover the secret of faith in darkness. And the Dor Yisharim said, that as a child in his grandfather's home, in the home of the Beis Yaakov of Radzin, that he had a hard time sleeping sometimes and he didn't want to bother anybody in the home. So he would go downstairs and he would walk. And sometimes if he was afraid, he would go into his grandfather's study and stand at the entrance. And when his grandfather, the Beis Yaakov would see him, he says that his grandfather stood up, he closed his book, and we know that when the Beis Yaakov closed the Gemara, he would kiss it. And that kiss of the Gemara, the Beis Yaakov's kiss, was enough to be machsir b'tshuva Jews who had been so far gone for so many years. And he put on his coat and he took his cane and he held his hand and he walked into the entrance of the house and he walked down the steps into the darkness of night and he pointed out things, says the Doyer Sharim, and he taught me how a Jewish person should never be afraid of anything. 
That's the secret of How do we have the capacity to yearn for Mashiach in a time of concealment? How do we have the ability to anticipate the arrival of Elio Navi, who proclaims the arrival of Mashiach Sidkenu? that hope that emerges specifically out of hopelessness. It's specifically by screaming out Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad at night. And as we're going to see Be'ezra Hashem next week, when we move a little bit further into this Mishnah, what we're going to see is that the first simon, the first point of context that Chazal want to give us is Mishasha Koanim Nichnasim Le'echol Betrumasan, the secret of eating, the secret of mindful experience in this world. You want to understand how to cry out, learn how to do things with focus. Like the Kohanim will teach us, like the Tzadikim teach us, that if a person is focused enough on their daily engagements, then mundane activities become Kodesh, that the Achila becomes Kedusha. And that is the point in which we have to anchor ourselves, that capacity to transform this mundane world that appears so devoid of essence and reveal the essence that is hidden within the depths of darkness itself, Be'ezrus Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.